When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. No, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying something like that, man. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sun down, shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. I tripped on a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. What the f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning with the sundown. Well, 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 the uh, album is with how many? 1957. So that would be the 75th anniversary of the Cricketeers, the only album that was published when Buddy Holly was alive. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, interesting. 75 years, kind of a long time. 1957. Wonder how many of the listeners were alive. I doubt. I doubt if either of the <coughs> producers were alive. I'm going to say, <coughs> Mr. Uh, well, let's say Mr. Byrne. I know is was not the um anyway <clears throat> the uh still a, an amazing uh uh influence in rock and roll i mean it's really a one of these days i'll i'll, I'll give the uh in, incredibly goofy story where we have nothing to talk about the guy who did the post the, the fairly recent autopsy of the big bopper after the plane crash and how uh <clears throat> there was always a a hint of suspicion like there is on everything right it hit the suspicion because the, evidently when the farmer <coughs> was the, uh, was they you know it took forever for the in the, the farmer's field the guy had to uh, do all the investigations and everything. Well, finally they give the the the, the plot of ground for, for lack of a better term back to the farmer said okay you can farm it again. Well he's digging through with a <coughs> a plow and he finds a uh, gun you know kind of rusted with one of the chambers. Um, shot, so they uh, so there was a huge. There's been this conspiracy thing like forever that somehow or another somebody in the plane shot somebody, and uh, that's why it went down. And all, but it turned out to be all all sort of BS. But uh, uh, <coughs> Greg, we we're talking about this is the 75th anniversary of uh, Buddy Holly's one only album that he was it published while he was alive. While he was alive, yeah. Oh, the. Uh, we had that list of uh, what was it? Top ten rocks or our individual top ten yeah. rock songs, and I think Buddy Holly was on them. 
It's on a bunch of them. Well, the, the, uh, obviously the song That'll Be the Day was on there. Um, anyway, so they were uh, talking about the buddy, uh, the bopper, they did an autopsy of him not that long ago when they exhumed him for some reason and uh, <clears throat> found um, they didn't have a, they didn't have a gunshot in him. Because so, he was found away from the plane. So the idea was he might have been alive somehow and somebody shot him. I, some long story, but it turns out he did not have a, a gunshot in him, but he did have something like 200 and some broken bones from the crash. Yeah, that would do it. Is that it's like every single bone in your body was broken. You're uh, talking about J.P. Richardson? Whoever the big bopper was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, anywho, not a good night for rock and roll. Mm. What is... Uh, what do you make of what's going on with the, the market and the world? And uh, I want you to, last week we talked a little bit. We didn't have a show on Thursday or Friday, so it's been a while. Um, we had a, uh, Greg brought up the the chart that I think we, we sent out to everybody regarding commodity prices versus stock prices and how we're at like a 50-year low and stock, or on commodity prices versus equity prices. And uh, it's just a... Uh, one of those things, Greg, that is is not, I don't believe, tradable, but it's uh, well certainly interesting. If you look at the um, GSGF ETF, that one would be the index that they were looking at compared to the um, the equity. I think it was S and P to GSG. There's an MSCI index that they were talking about for commodities. So, if you if you uh, we're doing that trade, it would be long GSG and it would be short S&P. Well, where could that one go? Supposedly, that would close, be a good yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it should. The question is, um, if you'd have done it three months ago, it would be opening on your head, right? Uh, still, it's it's been down for a while. Okay, so, so you so think it's... You'd be buying, you know, the same price, I, I believe. So you, you think it's a... Uh, just a matter of when it's going to close. It could be a while, but it could be early. It could be whatever. But one of these days, it probably will. Eh? Isn't that right, right. They're, well, they're saying that the, you know, I, monthly that it's got a whole lot of room to come together because, for whatever reasons, um, it's it's just become so extreme. Kind of like the carry trades in in the in the uh, grains and other futures contracts there. The front, it it pays to carry the actual physical, and then in the future, you, you know, you've you've locked in the profit. You just need for it to close. When you do trades like that, it's uh, these are relationship trades, and most of the time, I'm going to say, if you are patient enough and wait for stuff to really um, gets, I don't say crazy, but get extreme, or what you think is extreme. They can be really good trades, but then whenever one gets to the extremity, you really have to rack your brain and say, <clears throat> is there some fundamental change here that has taken place? Right. The whole, oh. is this time different question, yeah. which people in general aren't good at. So, Well, because you don't you don't. The know idea is you set, a, you set a limit that you're willing to lose before, and then you stick to it just because of that scenario. Well, then you, then you run the risk of being early. Getting in, getting out, and all of a sudden you're right. <coughs> That's right. a problem too. Yeah, <coughs> you could always probably just go in light, and then if it gets worse, you could do more. Yeah, that's the the 
tough part of those are, you know, the is this time different question, meaning um, are we smarter than the market or what, it, what the problems that normal people, the emotions associated with stuff that's really far away. And then, you know, holding on to it's another set of emotional decisions that you're going to have to deal with. Well, we had um, some people on the, on the show back in the day, and we uh, actually, uh, T- Shani was really was really pretty good at this. You know, he was a, a Paris trader, and I've not heard that term in ages of you. Well, everybody's a Paris trader if you include cash. Well, that's true. But I'm saying where they would pick a couple of stocks that were, I use the term, similar. And he was kind of an oil expert sort of dude, so he would constantly look at the Paris trade between Chevron and uh, Exxon, Exxon Mobil. Mm. And whatever, I mean, Chevron was always, I'll say, <coughs> somewhere between 5 to 10 bucks cheaper than Exxon or more. I don't really remember what time it was when he was doing this, but when it got to be, I mean, if you look back, you know, a long time, three, four, five years, whenever the gap got to 10 bucks, <coughs> you wanted to buy Chevron, sell Exxon. Right. And then, you know, when it got down to five, you wanted to do the other thing. And if, but every time it got to ten, every time it got to five, you'd have to say to yourself, okay, have these two guys been managing differently for the last two years since this thing was legit? And uh, is there something different? And eventually, uh, Shani figured out that, uh, you know, Exxon was not, every time they'd say they, they um, you know, produced, you know, 100, 100 million barrels of oil, barrels of oil, they were only uh, finding, you know, 90. So, they're, they're, so they were actually draining their reserves some. And then, but Chevron was always, if they found 100, they were finding, or they produced 100, they were finding 110. So over a period of time, I think Chevron actually became, I don't know if they're, the, I don't think they're bigger than Exxon, but maybe the stronger company. So you have to be real careful that, you know, something... Something isn't different this time, but... Yeah, so in this case, it would be commodities to equities, meaning the, the value of the index would be from anywhere from zero to, I don't know, eight or ten times. Um, so GSG would, would go one time to ten times um, into into the S&P, so GSG versus spiders. So right now, um, the GSG would, it, it would be... What was it? I don't know. I think it's right around 0.8 or 1. So, lots... If if you're looking for um, a pair's trade in that, like, relationship, more so than specific... Uh, specific... What's it called? Well, I don't know. Yeah. But, well. but the commodity to equity ratio stays in general between, call it 0 and in eight times, you know, we're at that one spot. So you would be long GSG, short, short SPY. Well, what, um, what or, are, what or are the money for buying uh, GSG would can be coming from profits had in SPY. That's that's what they're would saying. Would you uh, tend to want to dive deeper into the commodity piece and say, wow, it looks like the ones that are really lagging here. Well, it's got to be oil. It's got to be grains. Now, gold is creeping up, so I don't think gold is that far off. Um, gold's up pretty really pretty or good today. Or it could just be that that high. Yeah, it, well, it could be equities yeah, are too high. You right, know. right. So, I mean, there's two sides. 
the idea is if you put them on both, and they're, they're indexes, so it's not like you can really recreate them without doing a whole bunch of work and waiting. Uh, but the index for commodities, and I didn't take a look at the breakdown, but you know maybe maybe it would be better to just buy the individual one that's depressed and short you know the seven stocks but but you know that's a lot more risk because of the same reasons just more concentration but looking at it um you you would look at the what's it called the msci or no gsci commodity index and that's the weightings so GSCI Commodity Index, and that's you know the ETF GSG, and then the SPY is the index for or the ETF for S and P. You gotta be careful when you do your own basket. Your buddy Coach, way back in the day when he moved from IBM to trade OEX, uh, <clears throat> he decided that his basket of other stocks versus the OEX was going to be IBM. Yeah, <laughs> that's always an interesting decision. Yeah, so he was. He was uh, long IBM, short OEX or something. Yeah. And IBM on the year was like down, OEX was up like 15%. Yeah. <laughs> it was not good. It's not a great tracking. No. But he was good. Well, when, when before there was there, before there were indices. Now that would be Apple, you know. Yeah, but I mean, the before there were indices, if you, de- if you decided, wow, these interest rates are going down or something, when they were, whatever the hell they were, 15%, and you wanted to buy the market... You bought IBM, maybe General Motors, maybe maybe GE, but that thing didn't move very much. But IBM was essentially the bellwether, right? And uh, you might, you, know, you might, if you were smart, you might have uh, a smattering of ten or fifteen stocks that you bought. But generally, people, I mean, if you had to make one trade and you all of a sudden got bullish, you'd buy IBM, right? And uh, right. Or, I mean, it was it was kind of an odd world when you when you think of it that way before the indices, and then then there was the Kansas City Value Line was first. Everybody remembers that. Then the S&P came out, and the CBOE absolutely scrambled. I came up with the OEX, which was the probably the single most successful product ever, and then they killed their own product, which is sort of weird. But Hey, uh, you're a, a fantasy football guy. I'm, 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 I watch a little bit of the football with kind of an eye towards with all this gambling. and the. You, you, it you just know? makes things more interesting, right? It's well, just I'm saying, when, to, when's it going to turn crooked? To, oh, when's it going to turn crooked, or according is, to... Jefferson it never will or hasn't been, but but um, it's it's a way to talk trash and drink some more with your friends. Well, so. that's truth. So I'm curious, I'm, how do we know it's not crooked already? Right. It's well, I'm saying the the, the what, Matt before there was a Matt Byrne. Um, long, I can't imagine a time. Yeah, I can't imagine a time. You know, you can't. <laughs> uh, if you, you couldn't, this is before there was this kind of gambling. I mean, you could get a bet down at the local bar, the local bookie, but mm. uh, if you were even seen with a gambler, or if, if God help you, if you bet at all, even even if, if you, you an athlete couldn't even be seen in a casino, could people would just would assume that he, they would lose money, they would they would be on the, uh, they would owe somebody something. Mm. Now all of a sudden we're going for, down the road in this gamble where you can bet on everything. You bet on the next pitch for God's sake, and nobody even thinks that the <coughs> we got to watch the umpire. Or the pitcher, or the catcher. I mean, it's you know, I don't I don't get that. I was watching the. Have uh, you had a chance to watch City of the Pittsburgh it was the early game? So I sort of thing out after I took the pooch out and everything, and I turned it was Pittsburgh and uh, <coughs> Cincinnati, I think. So, the guy in Pittsburgh throws a pass to the end zone. The dude catches it. 
<clears throat> you know, it's a slant pattern. He catches it. He takes like three steps. He's got the ball. He's hanging onto it. All of a sudden, the guy tackles him after he's <clears throat> taken three steps. Down he goes, and outside the end zone, about five yards, he lands on the ground and loses the ball. And I'm going. They call it incomplete. Incomplete pass. And then the, the announcers are going. One guy goes, yeah, you know, uh, got to complete the play. Gotta, I'm saying the play was complete. He was like waving to the stands for God's sake. And the guy hits <laughs> you know, so then they, Yeah, the ref must have had money in the other well, way. Or something. <clears throat> well, they'll get a load of this. They, there's no chart. There's no uh, challenge. The next play, the guy fumbles. So they get nothing. They're on oh. like the 10-yard line. So they, they bring the ref. So finally they get some second, second thoughts about this. They bring the uh, who's the, what's the, the referee in waiting? <laughs> the hell's his but name? But did they challenge? No, no. Which is even weirder. <laughs> they didn't so challenge. So they yeah. bring this referee on. You know, the, who's the retired referee that they they bring on for the big rules discussion? Dean Blandino. Right, one one of those guys. This was uh, I think this might have been Fox. So I'm not sure. So they bring him on and they go. Uh, actually, no, it was Channel Two, CBS. And he goes. <laughs> He goes, I don't know what they're seeing. He goes, the guy took three steps. <laughs> he goes, that's a catch. What are they, what are they even? He goes, how, how, did they, how did they miss that? By the way, how was it wasn't a challenge? So I'm sitting there going, so they don't score at all. Gene's territory. Yeah. yeah. So they're, the uh, game goes on, goes on. And finally, uh, <clears throat> I think Pittsburgh might have been down but by three or something. So they, I don't forget if it was a pass in the flat or the guy runs around the left end. Well, the, the dude on Pittsburgh... He's got this guy out in you know wide open space. Yeah, and he missed him again. He's no, he's holding the guy like oh. there's like there's no tomorrow. I mean, he, you know, he, it's, it's like he's slow dancing with the guy <laughs> right out there for all to see. You know, he's ten yards away from any other player to where the entire uh, Cincinnati bench is like laughing, looking at the scoreboard, and they don't call the hold. And I'm going, that's a makeup call. That's an obvious <laughs> makeup call. But I, I don't. When you start seeing stuff like that, you, you do have to wonder. I mean, because there's no way that wasn't a hold. There was no way the first one wasn't a touchdown. <clears throat> you know, you're like, you just wonder. I, you know. Well, they got a whole lot of problems with their offense because, what's his name? Um, what? Matt Canada? He got fired, didn't he? Who? Oh, the, the offensive coordinator, I think. Yeah. He, he got canned, and they... <laughs> they've got quarterback problems. I mean, their whole they, – they can't score. they got just problems all over the board. So, Well, I mean, some of these people that they have – who's the guy who's in for uh, – the guy who got hurt on – was it Cleveland? Fantasy-wise, I mean, Pittsburgh is just unplayable. Well, they don't score very much, but they do win. Yeah, that's – I think they – what was it against the Browns? What they're like the quarterback had the quarterback uh, had less than a hundred yards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, well, yesterday was the first time in like how many games they scored four hundred yards? They had four hundred yards. Yeah, and yet they have a winning record. Well, just saying, but it's uh, you, you wonder how all of a sudden we 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 know nobody could possibly owe anybody any money. Did he get more than a hundred and fifty this week? I don't think he did. Uh, they, 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 went, they went through 400 as a team. Yeah, but I don't think the quarter of it, I don't think Pickett had more. <laughs> well, they, they, they pulled back the one for 25 that he should have had, but um, anyway. That might have gotten him to 150. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, it's, it's, you know. And you, he should we, come to the Bears. He'd fit right in. Yeah, but those guys, at least, at least they're well coached. They have a defense. 
Yeah, can't win without that. Well, they had one guy. So he's all world. He, uh, was it was it JJ or TJ Watt? Yeah, <laughs> JJ's uh, announcing. You know, what, what's this one? TJ or something? Yep. How much younger is he? Uh, three, three years. Because he's what he's how many how many games to ninety two sacks? He's like the second or third. I best know ever. he's he's barely thirty, or he's almost thirty. So still got some time. Well, so right now uh, you got to give us the power rankings. I'm going to say the uh, Philadelphia boy they lucked out again last night, didn't they? They look good. Well, they they got kicked a 59 yard field goal to get them <laughs> yeah, in the game. That's a <laughs> what was the? There was a. It was uh, the, <laughs> the field goal choice for. Yeah, all all sorts of weirdo field goals. But he, he had to, even though it was raining, <clears throat> he had a pretty good wind behind him. Still, 59 yards is a long way. Yeah, that's... And it was going right down the middle hallway, and all of a sudden the, the wind started to move it to one side, and he barely got it in the right right uh, upright. Yeah, and after that, I would probably say the Ravens. I mean, all right, we only got a Raven, minute before we get jammed. Ravens but what, and uh, Yeah, I would say the that, Ravens, and, be, yeah, Ravens and Eagles. Top three. Probably well, Eagles, gotta, Ravens, and then Lions. Kansas City's still in there, I think. Uh, sort of, maybe, maybe. Well, nobody wants. Niners to are playing better. Yeah, Niners were. <laughs> yeah. Well, Niners had some injury problems. Those guys are back, right? Yeah, I like their quarterback. I mean, for the guy from the the Mister Irrelevant, Brock Purdy. Brock, yeah, Mister Irrelevant has uh, six TDs, I think, in two games. How good is this quarterback that's gonna be buried in Carolina forever? <laughs> is it, I mean, is it? Uh, I wouldn't go on my team. Really, you don't like him? The number one pick? No. No. I thought everybody liked him. Well. Nobody likes any quarterbacks anymore. Well, they're not that great. Well, I mean, they're all... The kid who's playing for... Uh, he's only been playing because it's somebody... You know who him. is playing well, though? Denver. That's a surprise. Yeah. That's... That's... Uh, what have they the won? The Bears like five or six, Denver. six games in a row or something. That's... That's a lot. And I think... What Fox? Which one is Carissa Thompson on? Uh, I think it's Fox. They had an interview with Sean Payton. That was like, do, "Were you, were you ever discouraged at being one in five? And he goes, "What do you think?" You know, of course. But we got down to business. Who's the guy that's quarterback in the one team? He came from Washington. The big star, and, and he's he's like uh, somebody got hurt, yeah, and he's Seattle. playing. Yeah, but they're Russell saying Wilson. No, no, the the kid who. Somebody yesterday, he, he's a. Uh, <coughs> somebody's hurt and he's playing. He's a second string guy. And he played behind somebody for a couple of years and they asked him, they said, What have you learned? He goes, Well, you know, <coughs> I, I played. The best backup is what? Tommy DeVito? Well, whoever this guy was, he goes, You know, I, 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 I walked out in high school and like a sophomore, I was immediately the quarterback. Then I, then I started four years for Washington, had this huge record. Because I've never played behind anybody. <laughs> so <laughs> then he wasn't even drafted. But, but but the guy knows how to play quarterback. He's you know it's not like he's a chump. Just saying. SP futures down six and a quarter, and SP futures down twelve. Be right back with all the stuff going on around the world. Someone got a booming gold and silver today. Very strange. Be be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Greg Pappas in the studio. We have Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 650 and SP Futures down 14. Down a little bit. We obviously are riding a, a four-week winning streak, so we have the Dow down 44. I don't see any individual stocks in the Dow doing anything crazy here. We got Chevron Texaco down 40 cents, Microsoft down 65 cents, so like I said, not much. Uh, over in Europe, <coughs> we've got DAX down 22.1%, FTSE down 20.43%, CAC around down 2, let's call that one flat. Asia, uh, we got the Nikkei down 177, a half a percent, Hang Seng down 34.2%, mild for those guys, Shanghai down 10.3%. On Friday, if we can remember, we can remember back that far, Dow was up 117, S&P up 2, NASDAQ down 15, so very slow half a day. Uh, bonds, 
down one basis point, 4.47. We got the buns down six, 2.59. Japan unchanged, 0.77. Uh, we've got oil down 89 cents, 74.65. That's 1.2 percent. Brent down 93 cents, 79.65. Natural gas down 13 cents, 2.72. Our Bob unchanged, 2.16. Gold making a big move up here, 11.40 2014. That's a six-month high. Silver up 48 cents, <clears throat> 24.82. So if you had taken, I won't say my advice because I didn't give advice, but every time it got down under 23, you wanted to buy it. Over 24 and a half, you wanted to sell it. Well, guess what? You didn't want to sell it at 24 and a half this time. It's 24.82. Copper down two cents, 3.76. And we're going to ask Greg why copper is not um, participating here. Maybe it's a recession sign. Maybe, maybe not. We got Bitcoin down 580, 36,937. We have the U.S. dollar mild, mildly to the downside with the euro up uh, six basis points to 109.5 and the pound 126.3. Pound was 122 not that long ago, so we're, we're pushing 3.5% move here. That's a lot in these currencies. Matt, what do you have for us, uh, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.37 a.m. on November 27th, 2023. As far as traffic, in Chicago on the inbound Kennedy from Montrose, we're at 17 minutes. Inbound from the Edens from Lake Cook to the Chamber Interchange at 37 minutes. And inbound on the Eisenhower from Wolf at 20 minutes. Weather in Chicago currently 24 degrees with a high of 27 today. Mostly sunny but pretty cold. Uh, tomorrow, similar temps and less sun. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, different story. Clear skies, 53 degrees currently. A high of 75 today with sunny skies expected. Uh, as far as sports, uh, we missed, of course, uh, last week, so we had to uh, uh, get some Thanksgiving games uh, as far as last Thursday, the 23rd. Uh, Packers played Lions and won. That was 29-22. Commanders lost to Cowboys, 45-10. to And finally, uh, the 49ers beat Seahawks, 31-13. to As far as yesterday in the NFL, Ravens won against Chargers, 20-10. to You forgot Michigan, Ohio State. And Joel Bron- has to be in seventh heaven. All right, we'll get those the next yeah. round, okay? Broncos beat Browns 29-12. As far as tonight, a Midwest showdown between Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. Bears are 3-8 this season. Vikings 6-5. Game starts at 7-15 tonight on ABC and ESPN. Uh, so for now, Chief, back to you. What's, uh, what's the temperature going to be up there? it got to be like 20, huh? In Minnesota? Yeah. Okay, yeah. If, if, it's, if it's that bad down here, let me think of that real quick. Sure. They've had worse, but oh uh, gosh! Right now it is 12 degrees in Minnesota. <laughs> I'd still rather have that than the than the 40, 42 and raining like it was in Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, I rather I rather have uh, dry and cold than wet and cold. Oh yeah, any yeah. day of the week. Yeah. We have Mr. Flanagan. We do indeed. John, what's Good your morning, mo- all. what's your what's your most miserable game you ever had to sit through? Was it the Georgia Tech Notre Dame game? Um. My sophomore year, our sophomore year, all, all I remember was this blinding snow. It was about three degrees below zero, and I, I'd never been so cold in my life. <laughs> God, we've had a, a couple. Of the, we, my Daffy uh, friend JD and I went down to one and was we're playing Air Force because he would never leave early, right? So they're, they're clobbering Air Force. So fortunately, my brother Dan was <clears throat> still in school, and they had let. Uh, girls in school, all right, so that wasn't the bad part, but uh, we were soaked all the way through and had to drive back to Chicago, so you know a couple of young ladies who were very nice, and they let us over in their dorm, <laughs> actually, uh, 
we had a few towels back when I was at the shape where you could wrap yourself in a towel. Uh, girls took our clothes downstairs and threw them in the dryer. Thank God for the ride home because it was like, we, we, as soon as the game ended, the the, uh, the water got through the last layer and hit your skin. We had it timed perfectly. It was, like, <laughs> it was bad. We went to a bear game. It was 32 and sleeting. And all the guys around me that had like glasses on and stuff, the glasses were just full. It was like a windshield full of snow. It was just awful. But yeah, if it's like 20 degrees or 10 degrees and it's dry, it's it's, it's not not bad, but it's, it's it's not as not as bad. It's not good. But anyway, so what's uh, what do you make of the uh, the weekend? We had people shot at the United Center uh, mm. after a rap concert. That's always good to see. And how is it that without John, I tried to look for it. It was very fleeting news. Are we are we trying to to say that this stuff isn't happening now or what? Yeah, I think it's bad for business all the way around for word to get out about how much of it is happening and in places where people like to think it doesn't happen. So I think there's tremendous sequestering of news about mass shootings or you know, carjackings um, because it's, it's now being perceived as um, bad for the you know, mayor's administration, bad for police. Um, bad for the aldermen, older persons. Um, so there's all sorts of people who I think are able to intervene in the news reporting, and you know stuff you just never hear about is happening all the time. And it's always interesting to me why we're not hearing about it, but it, it isn't hard to find the reasons for it. And I think that's that's now the kind of you know nightmare situation we're descending into. It's bad enough to have things so up for grabs, but it's worse for people to be shielded from how bad it is. I did hear something, uh, well, you know, it's one man's opinion, I guess, but uh, something positive. One of the, uh, well, one of the, um, I don't know if I mentioned this the other day, I don't think I did. Uh, Katie, um, uh, rather, the girl comes on the show, which she's down at Vanderbilt, her aunt, that's, that's a connection, she's going into a uh, the liquor store by her to buy, you know, she's going to somebody's house, so she's going to buy some liquor. And all of a sudden, the door opens, she doesn't see this guy. This, of course, dude comes flying out with all these uh, bottles of, of booze in his arms, bangs into her, knocks her to the ground. Fortunately, she didn't hit her head or anything. And, and he's gone. Takes off. They're chasing him, of course, you know, can't find him, no rest, the usual routine. This is, this is in Orland, for God's sake. I mean, it's just, it is it is just stunning how we have gotten a whole group of people, uh, and I don't think it's just uh, one color, and I don't think it's just Chicago. We seem to have a, a generation, because people write in <clears throat> to the show and I say, hey, it's happening in our town. You know, it's not like it's, where people don't seem to care at all about if somebody else gets hurt or not or whatever, and I, how did this, but she, she's fortunately okay. Of course, she went in and finished her shopping. Typical. Um, but uh, I'm like, you know, what is it? And then they never catch anybody. But anyway, her, her uh, nephew was on a police force. And he's, he's a good kid. He's, he did, I don't know how many terms over in uh, Iraq. He's a sniper. I mean, you know, he's a good kid. And uh, and he's, I mean, he worked for the new, uh, the new police chief was the, the commander in his area when he first came in. 
And uh, <clears throat> he claims this guy's the real deal. That he's uh, a real straight shooter and really knows his stuff. Is, is there any chance we could actually have a really good guy in the spot for the first time in a long time? It would be nice. I think, you know, there's got to be a complete house cleaning in the state's attorney's office and in the, the court system, though, too, of the mentality that, you know, they're not there to prosecute crimes, but to socially engineer the, you know, effects of crime. <laughs> and taking crime for granted and enabling it seems to be, the, you know, uppermost in those offices' minds right now. So I, I can see the frustration of the police when they know that, you know, they're in the crosshairs if anything goes wrong, but they're not really being um, educated in a way that I think makes them part of the system that we have. If, if you're out there carrying weapons and you're supposed to be stopping people from doing things, if, if the other end of it, you know, the order part of it is just going to let these people walk or wrap them on the hands or tell them ahead of time we're not going to do anything to you, I think everybody's kind of wasting their time. With that well, but I don't, I don't think that most of the people we know don't commit crimes because they think they're going to get caught or something. They don't commit crimes because they know they're wrong. Right. Well, that that used to be, that was the, the deterrent. And, you know, the, the police were there for the extreme cases where people threw that kind of caution to the wind. They they had more to gain from holding somebody up than they did, you know, from not doing it. And that that part of the equation now has been distorted, I think, beyond recognition. Um, it's what you can get away with and people know the system so well um, because they've been through it lately and they know, you know where the trend is headed to that they're emboldened and the, the, the flip side of that is that the enforcement end of it is intimidated so you got you know people retreating to the extremes of not doing anything if you're a police officer rather than doing something and doing something you'd never do um, if you were going to contemplate you know, committing a crime um, and now you figure what the heck, what the heck was going to happen to me it's pretty hard to get these two pieces of the puzzle fitting together now so well, I don't know, it's not just me we we tend to talk about the uh, um, the issue I, mean, I think sometimes people get the government they want to, to some extent I mean I was reading this article about because you got a government that, that all they do is owe people money he says, well, what percentage of society all they do is owe people money? <laughs> it's, it's not like, not everybody's like that, obviously, but I'm going to say, if you pick your crime, virtually everybody now thinks they're above the law. And if you, if you drive around, all you have to do is, I mean, you, where would you start? Let's say we're not going to start with people shooting people, which is probably where we should start, but all of a sudden you hit the street with uh, 50 squad cars in my neighborhood. And every time, you know, some some somebody would cash in a, in, a, in a nice SUV blows through a stop sign, you pull them over, give them a ticket or a red light. You imagine the outrage? What are you doing? Right? Everybody else does that. What are, you, what are you? What are you bugging me for? Go out, go out and find a murderer. I mean, you imagine the abuse that the, oh. that the cops would get from from people who they are supposedly. From the get -go, it's not worth it. They're not going to win this bet. Yeah, I mean, but I'm saying, or I mean, I I, I don't want to see anybody get whacked. And obviously, if you have a car. You know, you got two thousand pounds of steel. You got to be careful. Um, I don't want bicyclists to get hit, but somebody will get on there and whine about two or three bicyclists got hit. I, I, I've yet to see a bicycle stop at a, at a, a stop sign or red light, except it's, it's like a six-way corner. They might stop at the red light, mm. and they're chafing at it. 
So th- they are abs- What would happen tonight if you went on these bicycle things? And every time somebody went through a red light or a stop sign, you gave a ticket. You, can you imagine? No, I can't. Tom, I mean, it's a question in my mind. We've got you know all these bike paths now on arterial streets and calls for more of them. And you know, Lawrence Avenue is my preferred thoroughfare to be a pedestrian walking to and from the store and stuff. And it's got bike lanes that pretty much restrict traffic in both directions to one lane, except you know where there's turns permitted. So you got traffic, you know, narrow down with the spaces because you got bike lines on either side of it. And the bikers that I see six out of ten times, they're riding their bikes on the sidewalk, which is already too narrow. Yeah, I mean, it's too pedestrians, you know. And we so, think we think it's just a bunch of uh, people running around shooting people who most of them are black, not all. Um, but it's not. It's 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 pretty much all the way through. Um, you know the. And the, and the Dan Ryan people going 100 miles an hour are probably black. People on 355 aren't, right? <laughs> I mean, people on the Stevenson aren't, right? It, it'd be everybody. Oh, just, it, it, yeah. It, there's no. I can't see any way of carving up the population when it comes to traffic or moving violations anymore at all. No, everybody is disregarding it. So, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, I, who knows what's happening in the, the financial world, the electronic world. I mean, I. I think that's a free for all too. I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, we're, we've gotten to, as a country, we've reached the point where if you're not cheating, you're not trying. And, I, and once you get there, that, that's that's a rough spot to be. I mean, I I think. What do you make of uh, the headlines? Because we're going to have Audrey on a, a later. The headlines were, you know, the, the mortgage rates go from eight to seven and a half, and instead of ten mortgages last week, there were twelve mortgage mortgage demand up twenty percent. They're, they're, we're not turning the corner here from going eight to seven and a half, are we? Wouldn't people like to think that? But no, it's, you know, this is the time of the year when you know people re- retract. They're not going to be even considering moving in the dead of winter, let alone buying and selling you know, before you have to move. So this this is not a time where you expect mortgage you know applications to be increasing in any shape or form in meaningful ways. So I have to, you know, just completely disregard all that. It's, it's just a way of salvaging a, a little bit of, of hope that things are you know, likely to not c- completely crater. But we're way past, you know, the point where we, we can just sort of think this is all going to improve somehow. There's there's no no short-term um, improvement that I foresee. And I think it's the commercial stuff that's going to end up lingering, I think, long after... You know, if there is an increase in, in residential lending and, and sales activity, which would be great, you know, for so many people, um, I just think that the, the long-term prospects for commercial real estate are so bad that it isn't going to really ever be that good for the residential markets for a long time, too. Well, where do you see? I mean, everywhere you kind of look, there's there's some sort of issue. I mean, the, you see you see storefronts, you know, clearly on. Uh, well, I mean. I don't see how you. Uh, the city has been, been does has done part of this. I mean, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, just for me, I'm not a, I'm not a big shopper, but I like to stop at various places and have dinner or maybe a drink. I don't. <clears throat> I go to uh, Club Lago. Twenty percent of where, what I would normally if I could park in front of the place. I don't. I don't want to give a city eleven dollars to park for, for an hour and a half and have a drink. Of course not. No. I, mean, I, gotta, I have to believe that 
the constant having to put money in the meter on Armitage has, has cost Armitage some business. I don't, I don't think they even care. But, uh, you know, you wonder what is causing... But I, I you know, drive through the suburbs, all these little strip malls, every one of them seems like it's having trouble. The uh, the bigger places... I, then you have the downtown area. I'm not convinced... You know, maybe we'll get Greg in on this, but I, I'm not convinced that we're constantly going to be working. I don't think... I think the idea of people staying at home if you have a job where you can work from home one or two days a week probably has caught fire. The idea that you'll never have to come to the office ever again, wherever we are. I see that in, like, government and quasi-government stuff, like insurance companies and people like that that pretty much are the bureaucracy. I don't see it in regular firms, do you? I mean, maybe. No, I don't. You know, the the mansion tax, so-called, that, you know, Brandon Johnson has as part of his budget, you know, to, to really jack up the transaction tax. By the way, how much <coughs> how much is that? Sorry for my voice today, but how much is that? When a, you got a $2 million house and you sell it, what are we talking in terms of money? Well, it's something like 3%. I mean, it's on a sliding scale from a million to a million five and then above a million five to two million. So it's, it's bracketed and it's, it's going to be a percentage of, you know, the consideration for the deal. As, as it always was, it used to be. I remember when it was, you know, considerably less. You know, then um, I think at one point it was seven seven dollars fifty cents a thousand or something. I mean, that's one of the, about the last time I, I transacted in Chicago real estate it was something like that. And the buyer, you know, always paid it. Well, now it's divided between buyer and seller because it's it's, it's get, gotten bigger. And Paul Vallis had a piece the other day, an op-ed about how this is. You know, it isn't a mansion tax, but it's a commercial real estate tax that is going to really kill the movement of commercial real estate and, and big apartment buildings and other stuff. It's easy to rack up a million dollar sales price for a property that shouldn't be considered a mansion in any stretch. So I think that this is another way of just jacking up the price of, of doing business in Chicago. It's, it's a terrible idea, but it's... it's the worst thing, it isn't even a tax the rich kind of thing, which is the way Brandon Johnson wants to sell it. It's it's really just a tax the business end of the people that are kind of keeping the city. Well, it's a, it's a tax on everybody that's not you. Right. Right. Which is, you know, so popular when you get people, you know, who have no interest in cutting back on spending and are just looking for ways to fleece people. So, well, I think you, you, you know, need, I think, you know, Unfortunately, I, I I think you have to go back to the. Uh, I don't know if I can even. I'm going to be trite here. Uh, almost like the the roots of democracy. I mean, democracy is a is a terrific way to do things, but you can't drop down to uh, <clears throat> the four wolves and one hen voting to have what what they have for dinner. You know which I know is kind of trite, but it's sort of true. I mean, you can't have a city that somehow thinks, I mean, we have an awful lot of people that seem to have control of the politics here. They're absolutely convinced that people that have money don't deserve it. <clears throat> people who work evidently are chumps or something. And uh, and there's just not enough given to other people. I mean, it's not about whether we're going to help, you know, and then there's a million different points of view on this, but... And I'm not. I don't know what's going on at the border. I mean, I hear different stuff and so on, but that's not the point. The point is, you know, twenty thousand people have showed up here, whether they should be or shouldn't. The fact is, they're here. 
and and their people. Okay, and we've got and it's snowing and it's snowing, <laughs> you know, and and we've got other people that could care less. They're afraid they're going to get a, a penny that should be going to them that are, and they've never had a job. I mean, I, I, I mean, I can understand the part that what are we doing on the border? What what's our plan? What what are we going to do? Let the entire South America come in? Are we going to try and help them or whatever? I, there's got to be some plan there. I don't. I'm not smart enough to know what it is. But I'm saying on the other end, we got <clears throat> twenty thousand people here. And all the bitching is they're going to get something instead of me. Well, that's that's interesting. And we have nothing but open ground. And a couple of places where they're trying to put them are just happen to be people that have property that are connected with the city. Well, that so nothing ever changes here, John. It's just I mean, I, I don't get the whole thing. I mean, we we seem to have the idea that I mean, we've had aldermen before that collectively, Jesus, I don't I don't go to a strip joint. Not that I do, but. Well, let's tax the strip joint, or I don't. I don't drive downtown. I have a limousine. Let's let's, let's up, up the parking fee. Well, at some point you get you get to the point where the place is unlivable, and as long as you're not paying it, you don't care. So okay, I, I'm never going to own a two million dollar house. Those guys don't deserve it. They didn't earn it. Let's fleece them because somehow I need dough. And by the way, I've never had a job. I mean, we, we've reached that point where a lot of people, even regular people that have money. You know, and some people, you know, they're the lucky sperm club. The old man gave them the dough. I mean, we know that. And there, but there's other people who actually, you know, might have worked for it. They have a business and have people and the other stuff. And the constant pointing the finger at them, you don't deserve it. <clears throat> I'm just going to find different ways to take it. No wonder they're leaving, right? Yep. Uh, you know, this, this brand of socialism or, you know, equity, that you know, is the byword now most big city governments, to me, it's it's like taking socialism's you know reputation as you know spreading the wealth around to everybody, but it really is about spreading the suffering around. And I think the the, the culture now is that if you um, if you want to succeed, say in a public school, you can't really you know have any kind of dividing up of the skill set among your students, so that you you know what you really want to have happen if you affirm believer in equity is that everybody should be failing at the same rate there's there's nobody who's doing any better than everybody else so everybody has to be dragged down to some ideal level of you know ineptitude and this is what you then aim for and i really think the crime problem is part of the same thinking um if there's any neighborhood in chicago that isn't riddled by crime and has adequate police protection um, equity dictates that you, nobody is entitled to be safe in a city where everyone isn't safe. So let's make everybody equally unsafe. And Brandon Johnson did as much apparently when an alderman recently was being strong-armed by the Johnson administration um, to support the you know budget. A couple of things that went, that went into the budget. And he was told, um, you know, when he asked for more police protection because of the explosion of migrants in, in his ward, um, that they'd be happy to give him more police if he voted for, you know, this you know, item so and so. Well, our, in my ward, <clears throat> which is supposed to be, you know, Lincoln Park, Lily White—not Lily White, but Lily, you know, safe Lincoln Park. I mean, it's certainly very integrated. Uh, I don't the the I. The in, the incredible increase in crime has nothing to do with the migrants. There's been a migrant crime yet. They're not doing the carjacking. They don't have a car. 
Oh, they're doing prime time. You just don't hear about it. It's one of the things we're talking about at the beginning of the show. Well, I don't. The, the guys you wouldn't hear about it if there were a lot of it. So they're no, they're nowhere near to the same as the fifty cars running around every night with the smoked out windows looking for somebody to rob. There's no way they're doing that because they're sitting in front of the police station in a tent. There was uh, well, some interesting numbers over the weekend that one of the CPD, uh, the it's uh, CPD sixteen seventeen the scanner handle on Twitter said according to the FOP that uh, I believe there was one net gain of officers in from one one twenty three to eleven fifteen twenty three. They had somewhere around 636 resignations or retirements, and they hired 637 officers. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there was one net gain, uh, and they still think they're you know short a couple thousand people. They are only because they are. Yeah. So <laughs> I think there's maybe a lot or 12,000 police officers, nine nine thousand of which were actually on the street, and then they they gained one <laughs> over the course of. Uh, well, let's be eleven few, months. Let's be viewers down six seventy five. Nancy down fifteen. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time to gain for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. That is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life, Tom.
Chief. I hope you didn't uh, think I forgot, but I want to say happy birthday. Well, thank you. <laughs> I had a feeling that might be for me. You <laughs> crept at it there. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a gift for you. Do you mind if I come in the room and give it to you? Uh-oh, is, is, is it a bum? It's something I think you're going to like. It's not ticking? Nope, not at all. Okay. I'll be there in a second. <laughs> all right. That's futures down six. There's that futures down ten. Why does this have me worried, Mr. Flanagan? Oh, God. Oh, good for you. Thank you. There you go. For those watching... The Lansing Matt's, Lug Nuts. Yeah, Thank you, man. In the room. Yeah. That's pretty cool, huh? Black, black top with a red bill and the Lansing Lug Nut, you know, mean-faced and uh, blockhead staring right at us being angry. The very original Lansing Lug Nuts. Wow, this, this, this picture looks like looks like Flanagan when the opera's late. <laughs> <laughs> Just like him. Picture perfect. So the, uh, I got one for you. I, uh, Mr. Flanagan... Of course, he's at the opera, Mr. Highfalutin kind of guy. So I said to him, what are you, like Charlie the Tuna? And then, of course, Matt Byrne and Greg have no idea what those commercials were about. Mm. And, uh, John, if you you remember them, was the whole the whole thing was, I mean, I'm going to say whoever is doing the commercials with Gronk, with the, with the USA, USA mm. he's, he's as old as me, and he remembers the, the Charlie the Tuna commercials, because the whole... Whole, the whole theme was Charlie was a tuna that they didn't want, but he wanted to be. He was auditioning for the you know Starkist can. <clears throat> yeah, and then, then there was one one commercial where he's sitting there li- listening to the opera, like Mr. Flanagan, and his buddy says to him, "Charlie, they don't want tunas with good taste. They want tunas that taste good." <laughs> <laughs> Charlie's disappointed yet, like yet again. But all the stuff with the it's the exact same theme, isn't it, Jen? With yeah. the with the with the. Uh, Insurance stuff, and Grant does a great job. I mean, he keeps trying to, you know what? I, I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to cast any aspersions on that insurance, but uh, I tried to get that once, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't let me have it. And my dad was in the was in the army. They said he died. To, he died in 1956, which was a you know a bad thing for me. And uh, they said, oh no, he died too soon. I'm like, what's that all about? And the one girl saying her grandfather was in there, and she's in. I did, mm. We have Mr. Carl. Uh, Carl, how are you, bud? You you do have me. You know, it's uh, every now and then I'm actually uh, pulling a coffee and get the uh, get the little notification. It's like, yeah, we can do this. Well, we can't go without a Carl fix. We didn't have you on Friday. Well, that's true. You know, it's uh, gee, the the terrible things of uh, so-called Black Friday end up. Uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know what what Chicago looked like and the. You know the environment around there, but I'll tell you what, the uh, there were plenty of cars, but I didn't see bags. Well, we didn't, I don't. Is, was anybody open early, like like the twelve o'clock the night before stuff? Well, you know, this was the interesting thing is that uh, Monday, the all the Bass Pros. I don't know if it was national or if it was just this local area, but they they sent a flyer around and they basically tried to jump the gun on everybody else. And sent their Black Fly Friday thing out and said, by the way, it starts Monday at 7 o'clock, 0700. And it's like, oh, that's clever. You know, get everybody's money before. <laughs> right? So I thought, all right, we'll go up there and see what, you know, see what this looks like. So I was there bright and early, 7 in the morning. Where is this? Uh, Bass Pro. So what are, you, what are you trying to buy a bass boat? Well, you know, I mean, they've, you know, all sorts of outdoor sports stuff is, you know, I mean, that's what they sell, right? 
Yeah, but I mean, are, are they doing the deal where if you knock everybody else over and you make it to the boat, it's two grand instead of five? It's not that kind of stuff, is it? Like there was. Well, it, 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 you never know exactly. I mean, you know, you got the stuff that's in the circular, but then you got the, you know, okay, you know, what sort of door busters do they have that you know you don't you don't know. So uh, I go up there. There's three of us in the store, Chief. Wow. Two of uh, two two dudes. One buying a rifle. One buying a scope. Okay, those are pretty good. I mean, those those are fairly high dollar sales. Okay, so I mean, you know, they'll be uh, they'll be happy that they sold those. Um, and they, and they managed to sell me a flannel shirt. Okay, and, it was a flannel that, shirt? Twenty bucks. It was like eighteen dollars. Yep. <laughs> so that wasn't bad, but um, you know, but that was it. And the thing is, is that it wasn't. You know, it wasn't that they didn't have the normal stuff. It's just that uh, there really wasn't anything else in there that was priced in a way that enticed me to say, "Okay, you know, here's some money." And so, and and there's a few things that I did want, but not at, you know, not at the ask. But, but they've the been. Ask. I've been getting, and I don't know why, because I'm not much of a shopper. But I'm going to say, and I've been getting stuff Black Friday for a minimum of three weeks. If there's something you really wanted, which, you know, I can't think of anything I really want, but if there was, I would have already bought it. I wouldn't go, I mean, if, they, if they send me this thing at, uh, you know, L.L. Bean, 50% off for the next hour and a half, I'm sure as hell not going to wait to go get in line in L.L. Bean store two weeks now. If I get it, if I get it that moment and it's already on sale, why not just order it? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's, obviously the, the question is, has has the... We're gonna jump the gun and play the games, and also say, have have the merchants gone so far that they they've essentially destroyed the value of it, and now it's it's just like okay, you know, the Christmas time is coming, right? And and I think there's some of that going on. But the other thing that was interesting was you know we got the Mars report last week, and on an inflation adjusted basis, it's deeply red. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so I mean, the one thing that that a whole bunch of people have have said, and it's true, is that the you know the online sales continues to increase as a percentage. Okay, they continue to go up. Everybody else uh, is getting punished, and and that is true. Um, however, uh, the online sales was the only thing that had an inflation adjusted increase that meant anything. And so, uh, you know, I mean, when you look at this and you say, well, you know, this, that doesn't sound so good. And, uh, yeah, you're right, it doesn't sound so good. <laughs> well, but, uh, how much of, uh, when they talk about, you know, the online stuff, I mean, if you, if you sneak back five years, and John, I'd love your comment on this, if you bought something online, the implication was that you went to somebody who specialized in, like, online stuff. Now, but today, I mean... You know, when I, a lot of stuff I buy, especially just for hacking around kind of stuff, I'll buy from like an old bean or someplace because they have everything in a tall. Right. You know, so, uh, I mean, if, if I'm going to buy something online, th- they send me something twice a day. I, I'm, I'm not going to, if I'm going to buy something and I like their stuff, whether it's them or Land's End or somebody, whatever the hell it is, it's not like they're losing the sale now. You, the implication used to be that if you bought it online, you didn't buy it from L.L. Bean that has brick-and-mortar places. Somebody snuck in there ahead of you. Instead of you buying the, the flannel at, at Bass, which you like to go anyway, 
or might have bought it online for bass, but somehow you went to, you know, Greg's Flannels on, on Amazon or something. But I don't know if that's happening. Whether people are buying it online from the place they would normally buy it from, or at least, or is that just me? Well, I, I don't know. Go ahead, John. Uh, oh, no, I, th- I think that's true. And I, th- I think it's, you know, it's also something you've said, Carl, in the past that I, I see it too, that people, you know, a couple of weeks ago seem to have hit a wall where it's just, you know, they're not spending, they're not, you know, making big purchases. And I think that now we're seeing kind of the, the natural result where even, you know, Black Friday, you know, hawking sales, there aren't enough discounts deep enough to make people go into their wallets. I, I just think there's there's kind of a breaking point where people aren't, aren't persuaded that this is useful. So. Well, yeah, I mean, there was there was one thing that I did buy uh, over the, the Turkey Day holiday that I've been looking, you know, I've, I've been looking to buy for a while, okay, um, but there have been no, you know, this is a company that typically does not discount at all, and so it's like, well, you know, your ass is just too high. I, I mean, it's, I want this, but I don't want it badly enough to fork up what you want for it. And uh, and over the weekend, they uh, you know they they stuck twenty percent off, and so I was like, well, okay, I'll I'll buy it. Um, so I mean, you know, there was uh, yes, you can still you know you still grab people like this, but you know it's kind of interesting because like L.O. Bean, they they have a a type of slipper that I really like and every couple of years they get kind of ratty and I buy another pair of them and they sent their thing around uh, you know their email spam and their paper catalog uh, and they sent it to me all the time even though and this is basically all I buy from them but but they're not cheap I mean it's close to a hundred bucks and, uh, and the funny thing is is that these these guys still think these, these guys still think they can get you know 50-60 bucks for a flannel shirt and I'm like, um, really? Yeah, it's uh, if you look at their, I, I throw all, I get the catalogs too, and I throw them out. But if I had one from five years ago, I think everything's doubled. Yeah, and that's well, and that's the thing. And I mean, you know, flannel's kind of a bum around. You know, I mean, it's comfortable, it's warm, it's wintertime. You know, okay, fine, but it, but it, but it's hardly. You know, I mean, we're not talking about uh, you know. Uh, Half tailored dress shirts here, okay? No, but there there is a. I mean, there, there are serious differences in quality. I mean, oh, I'm sure. I mean, you're that, not yeah. going to Old Navy. I mean, you wash it twice, and it's you know. Well, that's true. There is there is serious difference in quality, but but is it you know is it five times better or no, four times better? That's and that's the problem. Is it's four times the price? So you know, I mean, am I willing to fork up a little bit? Yeah, a little bit. Key being, you know, okay, it's maybe twenty percent better. It holds up twenty percent longer. Um, that's fine. You know, maybe maybe it's it's good for three years instead of two, but but not at three times the money. Well, I don't, I don't think there's, yeah, I don't think, but quality is a boy. If, if we owned a built uh, building, owned a building or a company that made clothes, I don't know that people feel they get the companies get rewarded for quality. I don't know if anybody pays for that anymore. Well, I well, I think you people do if if there's a commensurate if if the quality is commensurate with the squeeze. The, the problem is it usually isn't. Well, I was uh, when, when I was my my birthday when I was young, I used to go down to Notre Dame and watch some of the games. I'd always go buy a couple of the T-shirts in the bookstore, not because I cared about it saying Notre Dame on it, but they 
were the original champion shirts. Yeah. And I, and I was a guy that, I'm going to say every single night, I either had a handball game, a basketball game, or something. To where, you know, I needed, you know, you sweat through the darn thing and you'd hang it up, dry it, and, you'd, you know, every few days you'd throw them in the washer. I'm going to say those shirts were 20 bucks when you could get a, a T-shirt anywhere for eight or nine. Yet, I'm going to say it was 100 washings before those suckers fell apart. Oh, yeah. Anything else? Oh, yeah. Anything else was like four or five times. And like, I can't wear this. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, that's well, that's the thing. I mean, but the, the you know. Champion's now out of business, by the way. <laughs> so, so, but right. Yeah. So, but I'm not so sure there's a reward to that necessarily. Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is that a lot of, but you know, a lot of things are like that. Is that, you know, you if you fork up and, and you don't get, you learn fast, right? Yeah. Wait a so, second. Did you say Champions out of business? Well, the, the brand, the name is still around, but the oh. companies—they're not—they're not. They're not like anymore. I had, uh, I just—I think last year got like five mesh shorts from Champions. Yeah, well, they're still around, but I'm saying I don't think the—I think they were. They, I'm not positive, but I think they were bought by they. When when you went to any, this, I'll talk about talking about reminiscing. Any kind of college back in the day, if you when, if you had gym class, gym class, phys ed, no matter what the colors of the school. They always had the two colors on a double shirt. Remember this, Carl? Yep. And, and if you went, you know, and there was a basketball game in phys ed. Well, or yeah, because you had to be able to flip it over. Yeah, you flipped it over. But they were, but they were, they were actually two shirts. And it wasn't just one side. It was one. You actually had it was a double shirt. So right. they were they were absolutely perfect for like jagging. You know, if it was like fifty five degrees or something, you still had a t shirt on, but it was pretty warm. So. A few years later, I couldn't find them in the bookstore, so I call up Champion when they were still around. I go, well, you guys used to make, I mean, Ohio State would be maroon on one side and gray on the other. I mean, depending on whatever the school was. Irish happened to be, you know, gold on one side and blue on the other. And uh, so I called up and I said, do you guys even have these shirts? Where can I get them? The lady goes, what are you talking about? And I go, you know, these shirts, these double shirts. She goes, I don't think we ever made those. Yeah, trust me, you did. <laughs> 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 oh, I, you know, it's chief. I'll tell you what. It's so funny when you run into people like that working working somewhere. Okay, I I had that experience uh, a couple of years before the crazy uh, on Royal Caribbean. And Sarah and I used to do cruises all the time, and, and then we stopped. She got older. She stopped thinking they were you know great things. And we decided to do it just kind of reminisce. They used to do this thing the last night, a chocolate buffet at midnight. Okay, and it is exactly what you think it sounds like. It was the most decadent, insane sugar overload you've ever seen in your life, and it was stinking delicious. Well, I, I'm looking on the itinerary; it's not there. Wow! So I'm sitting in the bar, and and I asked the bartender. I said, "Where where'd that go? What's what's this about?" He says, "Oh, we never did that." I I, I pulled out my my platinum membership card, and I said, "Um, dude." <laughs> Yeah, I've, probably been on more, I've probably been on more of these boats than you have. Yes, you did. God. <laughs> those things. I mean, some we of those even th- denied our nostalgia. You know, we can't even say we can reminisce about this. Yeah. It never I, I know. I mean, it was, it was like it never happened. I'm like, I don't know what you're smoking, buddy, but, you know. <laughs> well, it was, like, it was like Stalin erasing a political opponent. The guy came out of history. Always, yeah. always... Tear the page out of the encyclopedia. <laughs> never Get rid of this guy. Well, Carl, what... Uh, we got you for another for another few minutes here. What what do you make of? Uh, I mean, we have less pressure in the Middle East, which is really good stuff. I mean, hopefully this will lead to a bigger uh, some sort of solution. It might be 
stage I, one I, of a hundred stages. I highly doubt it. I I do, I do too. I uh, but I uh, I don't want to go into maybe Friday we'll talk about. It. I was listening to well. Put this way, I wandered into the wrong room in Audrey's place, and she had her, her favorite station on the was it Newsmax or something? Uh oh. What is what that place? Even people on the right must not like that station. We'll hit some lady on there talking about uh, the war over there, and they've they've jumped on to the extreme right wing Jewish side of the thing as well. And uh, I don't know. I guess they just that's that's their shtick. But um, I guess I'm a little more. Like you, I'm I'm uh, skeptical, but we're clearly in a better place than we were two weeks ago. I think. I, yeah, I'll give you that. And uh, you know, you can only hope that you know what they say: the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first step, right? Um, I, uh, I I just I hope it leads to more. I guess is all I'm saying. You know, so I'm trying to be enthusiastic here for once in my life. But what do you make? We have uh, we talked earlier. I don't know if you were able to listen. Some of the anecdotal stuff that kind of has come up last week, some people sent me some stuff, and, well, Greg dug out the one about, you know, commodity prices versus uh, equities. Right. And then the other one that, um, I forget who sent it to me, but thank you, whoever it was, had to do with the, what percentage the top uh, 10 stocks are in the S&P 500. And it goes back, or the top, uh, the top 50 or the top, whatever it was. And went back to the, the highest was in 1972, which was a while before I started trading, obviously. Back with the Morgan Stanley Nifty 50. And one of these days right. I'm going to dig that out because I don't know if any of those stocks even around. Well, I guess Kodak's still around. Polaroid's a couple not. Of, a couple of them, but not most. Yeah, not most. And how it was some huge percentage was like. And then when you got to 2000, 2000 you had a huge spike again. And now we're like even way over 2000. I think it's, I think it's the top 10 stocks in the S&P. And, and how they're they're like forty some percent, or, you know. And every time it's gotten there, we've, now these kind of, we've been talking since you weren't on Friday. Well, we didn't have a show. You'd have been happy to be on the uh, those kinds of charts. You look at them and they they're of huge interest, but on a day to day basis they're not tradable. Yet you know, you, I don't think the top ten stocks can become seventy five percent of the S and P. But then Greg and I were talking earlier. Whenever you reach one of these extremes, you can't just, you know, willy-nilly trade the damn thing. You have to sit there and go, okay, what has happened in the world that could, they possibly this could be like this for like a really long time? I mean, is it an antitrust thing? I mean, is is it a fact that some people get some places got so big you can't? There's there's no chance that Microsoft's ever not going to be, you know, four trillion dollars, five trillion. Now, what about Apple? I mean, even though they, I don't think they have the same potential and that they're every part of society well maybe they are Microsoft I'd, I'd have to say that Microsoft was a bigger antitrust villain than, than Apple you know I, I don't know about the uh, the Amazons the Metas whether they're going to or Google or they're going to stay in there Google probably because they know everything about everybody I mean is, is there a chance that we're still doing the show five years from now and that chart's going to be whatever it is instead of 46% it's going to be 62 and people are still going to be faded and still getting their ass kicked I mean it What's your what's you and John's opinion on that? I, I don't I honestly don't know. Is it's an extreme? Does that mean it's going to go back the other way, or this time this time it's different? I guess is the term. Well, um, no, this time it's never different. Um, that's you know that's one of those things. Uh, but it's it, it. I have seen so many instances of this just in my time trading. 
that I do not believe for a minute that we're going to see, you know, that the, the world has changed, so to speak. Uh, the thing, the thing about monopolist practices of various sorts is that they all look like they can never possibly be disrupted and ended. Right? So they, they all do for all time. And they always have for all time. And it usually doesn't work out that way. I mean, maybe, maybe you'll be the, maybe they'll be the one. Okay. Maybe Microsoft, for example, will be the one. Maybe Amazon will be the one. I'm, I am a deep skeptic that such is, uh, is, is ever going to work out that way. I mean, I, I have pounded the drum on cloud computing for a long time about this. This is, it's a fad. It's one of those, those cyclic kinds of things. Uh, and, and woe be to you if you're on the wrong side of it when it comes apart, either as an investor or as a corporation that's using it. Uh, and lately, there's, there's, I wrote an article about this. There's now a lawsuit. Against Intel, claiming that Intel uh, had deliberately misstated their performance metrics, and the reason is is that when used in a multi-user uh, type of environment where you don't trust the other people that are on that computer, uh, which is inherently how cloud computing works, uh, the mitigations necessary to prevent somebody from being able to steal things like your encryption keys uh, slow the machine down by a factor of about two, so it's about half. Well. There is a point at which this kind of performance degradation, when used in that environment, makes it stupid for you to put it there and not run the thing in your own building, where you don't have that problem and you don't need to run those mitigations because you are the only one on the machine and therefore you do trust everything that's on the box and you don't need to take the slowdown penalty. And and this is the you know this is the functional reality of this. AI is another one of these things. You've got all this computing resources being put towards this generates a huge amount of heat, consumes a huge amount of power, leaving aside the amount of money you have to spend to buy the thing in the first place, just the operating cost. Can Do you actually get enough value back out of what you're doing to be worth it? And, and you know, is there displacement that will occur on a mass basis in the employment infrastructure of, of the country and the world, so to speak? It, uh, and that, of course, is the premise that everybody thinks this thing is, is going to take off and go absolutely everywhere and it's going to destroy everything else. Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's not. And, and it isn't that you can't. It's that it doesn't make any sense. And it's, you know, it's the same so Musk running around screaming, we're going to Mars, we're going to colonize Mars. Well, can you physically get to Mars? Yes, you can physically get to Mars. We've, we've put things on the planet Mars. We've put several rovers over there. We, we know how to do that. Does it make sense to put humans there to attempt to colonize a planet? No, it does not. Not without any air. Well, and, and the, exactly. And then the thing is, anybody that goes, if anything goes wrong, there's like an 18-month window to, to get there and come back, right? Because the planets have to be in the right alignment or you don't have enough fuel. So if anything goes wrong during that period of time, you're dead. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's, there isn't a maybe on this. You're dead. And so, you know, there's... Can we do it? Of course we could do it. Does it make any sense to do it? That's always the question. And the answer is likely to be not a snowball's chance in Hades. And, I, and you know, I see this kind of thing all the time. We see, we see the same sort of nonsense with green energy. Okay? You've already seen an example of it with, with the price of power out in California. 
they are only at 30% renewables. Places like Tennessee are 15, 10-15%, and almost all of what we have online and operating right now is hydro. Okay, which is of course, you know, the oldest renewable, right? We've been damming you know, rivers for a very long time. That's the TVA's original raisin dad thread, if you will. Fine, but we've dammed all the rivers that are reasonably dammable. That's already been done. Uh, the problem is California's power cost is two and a half, three times what it is over here. All right, if you go to 100% renewables, it's four more times simply because you need to overbuild for reliability reasons. And um, so if you want to pay a dollar a kilowatt hour, you tell me how the average schlub can pay a $10,000 a year electric bill because that's what it's going to be. All right. And, and the answer is he can't. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, can well, we do these things? Yes, we can do them. Does it make any sense? No. Well, Cal, let's, uh, let's, let's get this up Friday. And is, is one of our, Greg, take a note, uh, is one of our, because I, I, I got this real weird feeling that it is somewhat different this time, and not, not in a good way. Because instead of, you know, I was around when telephone was the big monopoly, and, you know, you right. you saw some of the other places, and, and you could almost even see when it happened that maybe there was, you know, technology which would catch them some way, and they were kind of a, even though they were everywhere in terms of telephone, it was kind of a somewhat of a one-trick pony. It, these other guys seem more into your life than telephone ever was seems to be more into your I mean the, the Microsoft at every business you no we can't all get off Excel tomorrow it's oh a, oh absolutely no I uh, yes I I absolutely know that yes and because I mean let's let's kind of kick this up because it's because we have to dash we got Audrey coming on but thank you hey for helping us out on a Monday because I can't go a whole week uh, without my Carl fix by the way Friday morning on the way in my little problem with the suburban uh, Greg was nice enough to come find me at a gas station on Ashland Avenue. Uh, ah. when, I, when I got the battery light, I figured, hmm, it's kind of odd that battery's new. Maybe it must be the alternator. Then yeah, went, maybe the belt. Well, then I put on the brakes, and there were no brakes, and then I tried to turn it, and there were no steering. Oh, that's not good. I realized it was it was the uh, the belt. The engine's not running, right. Yeah, and I'm thinking, there's no way I'm making it downtown, because I don't want to get caught on a ramp or something. So I pulled off, and I'm in this BP station, but Greg was nice enough. He came right over. Made sure I didn't get mugged, and the AAA guy was the nicest guy on earth. Came, put me on a flat toe, and dragged it to my 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 place that I've known for 20 years. It was fixed by 11 o'clock. So, the good okay. news is the world worked for me, and I didn't get get, get cracked up. And uh, the uh, making the U-turn on National Avenue with the no power steering was a trick. <laughs> yeah, well, you know those those trucks. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> you can do it, but you but you, you better have gone to the gym recently. <laughs> well, you know, they have in the manual. It says if you, you know, if you lose power steering, the effort will be higher. Yeah, will be higher. Yeah, yeah really. <laughs> you know, my first uh, talk about a, a bad luck story. I, I, I realized that the hard way. Carl, my, my, I was like nineteen. I can do this on my birthday. When I was nineteen. I started driving a cab in, in the hood, right? One that in Evergreen Park, the neighborhood, not the hood hood. So my first pickup is like a really good, you know, a really good pickup. The cab conks out halfway to the guy's place. So the, yeah. guy go, the guy goes, ah, no problem. I'll just walk into the exercise anyway. It's like 6 in the morning. He takes off, and I call the guy with the radio. Hey, uh, cab doesn't work. Oh, we'll, come, we'll come get you. Now, only you and maybe Jan will, realize, will have a clue what kind of car this was. I'll give you one guess. 
one that would be, but okay. Check a marathon. Oh, okay, yeah, oh. one of the originals, yeah. the real ones. So, yeah. the, so the guy shows up with the you know the wooden plywood on the front of the little truck. He's going to push me to the to the garage, right? Well, one yeah. of the, which is okay, you know. But of course, now there's no there's the power the steering's messed up, and uh, right. Well, between me and the garage is Longwood Drive, which is a big hill down to Longwood Drive. So he, he pushes me over the edge of this hill. And I hit the brake, and I'm pushing, and I'm pushing, and I'm pushing. <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, it's you know, and I, you know, I was a pretty strong kid at the time. I didn't think the seat was going to hold; that the seat was going to give out, and I, yeah, I was yeah. going to be in somebody's living room. Fortunately, I, I, I managed to stop by the stop sign. I'm going. This is just one hell of a first day. <laughs> I don't think this job is for me. <laughs> but, but I managed to stop and. I ended up with like two more fares. My first day, I made like eight bucks. It was, there was no, it was only just what you made, right? I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't know about this one. <laughs> anyway, SB Futures now 450. Nancy on 350. We'll be back with John Flanagan and Audrey Johnson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it is time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here.
No, no, God, no. We don't want those idiots bumbling around in this. Hello, and welcome back to Jackson. I'm Tim Howe. Got Matt Byrne on the board. Uh, S&P futures are down 550. NASDAQ futures down 9.25. Dow futures down 56. Uh, over in Europe, we have not much going on there. We got the DAX down 20.1%. FTSE down 13.2. Kick around up 45 cents. Call that flat. So let's say we got nothing going on over there. In Asia, Nikkei down 177. It's 0.5%. Hang Seng up. Down 34.2, so right in the middle of this 17 to 18,000, back and forth, back and forth they've been doing. Shanghai down 9, uh, 3,031, still above 3,000, but yeah, they ducked down the one day and came right back up. On Friday, uh, seems like a ways ago, uh, Dow was up 117, S&P up 2, NASDAQ down 15, so a mixed bag on Friday. Uh, bonds down 3 basis points, 4.5, 4.45. The Bund down 7 basis points, 2.57. Japan unchanged at 0.78. We've got oil uh, down 32 cents, 75.22. Doesn't seem like it's getting out of its way at all. As the OPEC, I think, is going to have their delayed meeting this week. We'll see if they delay again. Those guys, I, they're becoming, thank God, they're becoming less and less part of the world, I think. Brent down 36 cents, 80.22. Natural gas down 11 cents, 274. Arbob up a penny, 218. Gold with a pretty good rally here. Of 1230, the highest we've seen it in like a real long time, six month high. Silver up 51 cents. I think I'm pretty long silver for my people today, so that's a good news. 2485, I thought it would be a sell at uh, 24. Fortunately, we did not sell there, and it's higher. Copper down a penny, 377. We've got Bitcoin down 606 now, it's 36,911. We've got the US dollar um, heading down a little bit again with the, with the Euro 1095 and the pound 126.3. Matt, what do you got for us, Travis Weather Sports? Yeah, hello. It is uh, currently 7.38 a.m. on November 27, 2023. As far as traffic in Chicago, on the inbound Kennedy from Montrose is currently at 46 minutes. Inbound on the Edens from Lake Cook to the interchange at 77 minutes. And finally, inbound on the Eisenhower from Wolf at 35 minutes. Weather in Chicago currently 24 degrees. Pretty chilly uh, with a high of 27 today. Uh, mostly sunny skies, but pretty cold overall. Tomorrow, similar temperatures and less sun. Down in Phoenix, Arizona, partially cloudy, 52 degrees currently, with a high of 75 and sunny skies. As far as sports, we have college football that we missed out over uh, last week. Uh, Thursday saw Ole Miss beat out Mississippi State 17-7. On Friday, Michigan State lost in a big way, 42 to nothing against Penn State. On Saturday, Ohio State... But they State, fired their coach, okay. <laughs> at least they got that go for the match. Yeah, yeah, they got zero that Yeah, 0-42, zero, zero that, 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 that's fire. Fire-worthy. Uh, on Saturday, Ohio State lost to Michigan 30-24. to uh, Washington State beat out... Uh, uh, Washington beat Washington State. There's a confusing one for you. 21-24. to uh, Florida State won against Florida 24-15. to uh, of course, in the NFL yesterday, Ravens won against Chargers 20-10, to and Broncos beat Browns 29-12. to uh, that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. So, John, are we going to take one of these coaching jobs if offered? Oh, God. I'd turn them around, huh? <laughs> <laughs> we could turn them around. We could, have, we could have Audrey with us telling us we, we call the wrong play, you know, type of thing. Which we probably do. We probably She'd probably be right. We did call the wrong play. Oh, yeah. I, I defer to Audrey. <laughs> that, that did work. You called the wrong play. What? How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Just fine. How are you? 
I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my new hat here from Matt. And it's a beautiful hat. The only problem is I'm probably the only person on earth that knows what it is. <laughs> Remember when uh, Audrey drags me to, uh, where did we go? One of those dollar joints. or What, what the place you go where you get all the discounts? I've never found anything in my life. Oh, I took you to Big Lots. No, no. It was one of the closed <laughs> places. Uh, Oh, uh, TJ Maxx. Yeah, we went to TJ Maxx. I'm in there, and of course I can't find anything. And they had these uh, old baseball hats, uh, John. So I buy a, a retro uh, Colt 45 hat. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. John, who the hell were the Colt 45s? Well, oh. Google can help me for sure. No, 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 you can't do Google. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, okay. Oh. Uh, I mean, it sounds like a gun, to be honest with you. Um, you know the Houston Astros? Hmm. They were originally the Houston Colt 45s until they built right. the Astrodome, and then they renamed themselves right. the Astros. Wow. So for what, right. maybe a year or two, Jen, something like that? Mm-hmm. Just a year, I think. It might have just been a year, but they had to take them longer than a year to build the Astrodome. Yeah. Well, whatever. So, so of course, I wear this to a game. I got my Colt 45 hat on, and all these, these, these like, uh, uh, they look like deadheaders in front of me, these young guys. They turned around. I couldn't believe how how cool I was because I had a Colt forty five hat. And where did I get it? Your moment in time of being cool. Yeah, I was I was I was cool for like. Turns out there was like some super hot rock band at the time called the Colt forty fives, uh, and they thought it was a rock the malt band. liquor. Yeah, I mean, malt liquor. Yeah, <laughs> they, I, I didn't have the heart to tell them this is a baseball team from long before you guys were born. <laughs> I just, oh yeah, I'm cool. I, I know those guys. <laughs> God. Anyway, so on what. What's the state of the real estate world? I'll let John ask you a couple of questions. I, I have one. I mean, I know, for those that don't know, Audrey runs her own real estate place. She's also still still with us here at PTI, but she runs her own real estate place, Home Source Realty, and she's the, the you know the the main cook and bottle washer. And uh, because you know she's been doing it a while and is good at what she does and has a lot of uh, referrals, you've managed to stay, you know, somewhat busy over the last few months. But the only question I have, then Jan can take over, is what what if you had like a big storefront with like 20 people working over the last year? How bad would it be? Or would it be bad, I guess is the question. Well, you know what? It's Some people are busy, some people aren't. Has it slowed down? Yes. But actually in the last uh, couple of weeks, interest rates have slipped a little bit. So I actually know uh, a client that uh, was able to get a, a 6.99. Wow. With with a one point five down, but it's been hovering around uh, seven and an eighth, seven to three eighths in the last week. So you've got a little breather. So now there's been a little flurry of activity. But before we go any farther, and I forget, um, happy birthday, Tom. Oh, thank you. I didn't know if it was announced on the show. Oh so. yeah, Matt played happy birthday. Not happy birthday. Okay. He gave me a, a gift, a Lansing Lugging Red hat. That's what I'm talking that, about. That's wonderful. So happy birthday. Have a beautiful day. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's uh, actually t- ticked up a little bit in the last week. So this, the real estate is interesting. It reacts um, pretty quickly to what's going on. Too not as fast as the market does, obviously. But people are who still want to buy, and you know there are some houses out there. The inventory has ticked up a little bit, not a lot, but a little. So if uh, they see something nice, they got to break in. Interest rates are going to hop out and see if they what they can get something. So it's nowhere near the, the carnage on your end that Nancy talks about. You know, with all the refinancing's pretty much dead. She goes her industry, and obviously Nancy does a lot of new stuff, and she's very inventive and really knows what she's doing. 
but she says the, the industry, which, what'd she say, Jan? How many people have been, what percentage have been laid off in the last year? Oh, yeah. I mean, refis yeah. were a huge business, sure. So that huge refi, you know, taking your mortgage down from six, seven, eight down to three or four, you know, that obviously is coming on. And that was a huge amount of people who refied. So the, so the real estate business is not in as bad a shape as the mortgage business, is what you're saying? Probably, but it's all it's all local. It's subjective. It's uh, you know it was it, it's of course not the feeding frenzy it was in the first uh, first let's say the first three quarters of the year, first two quarters for sure. You know probably until end of September it was pretty very very busy part of October, but it's gotten uh, a lot quieter, which is part of the season and part of the reaction to the interest rate. So is it slower? Yes. Is there some things still happening? Yes. Well, there you go, Jan. Take over. You're, yeah, I think, you're, you're a guy. Yeah, I, I, well, any activity like you know you're describing on is, is good. You know, if you can get any any more, you know, properties in the pipeline to sell, it it, it, it all makes a difference. I, I I think it's good. You know, interest rates could, if they slipped another, you know, half a point or a point, I think it's, you'd probably see a lot of of activity that you wouldn't see otherwise. So that's that's let's hope for that. I'm noticing now that you know, in my neck of the woods, that the, the businesses that that used to be somewhat marginal have become more marginal um, because clearly their rents have gone up on storefront properties, and they've had to fold their business because they can't afford the rents in some of these buildings that are 100 years old. You know, in Albany Park and Jefferson Park, um, they they're just not turning enough cash to afford those kind of rents. And then you're looking at the, the new properties that have been built in the last 10 years or so, like mixed-use condo buildings with office condos or storefront condos, and that none of those commercial spaces have have got tenants in them for, you know, in, in any case that I can see. So if the rents in the older, more decrepit buildings are out of sight for places, I can imagine that any of the new stuff that's been built is way out of sight and it's going to go begging for a long time for tenants. And I just see such a shakeout in, you know, what that means for the job market long term. Short term, bad enough, but long term, I don't, I don't know what it's going to take to, you know, turn this ship around. I just, you know, when I hear Bill Gates saying that, you know, everybody's going to be working a three day work week because of AI, I think what it really means is everybody's going to be trying to find a way to work an eight day work week because they won't be able to make it. On, but they're going to be paid for three days of work if you can find three days of work. I just, I just think the whole thing is like going in the wrong direction here. Well, what did Nancy say? Uh, how many people uh, are there essentially have, you know, and, and Carl talks about this all the time, is the last 30 years or 40 years, the big change is that everybody's managed to make ends meet by both people in the family working. Well, okay, that's interesting, but that's not progress. I'm not right. saying that somebody should stay home and watch the kids. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm talking about economically, it kind of should be your choice, <laughs> right? Uh, I'm not saying it shouldn't be the old man hanging home and watching the kids. I'm not I'm turning this to a sexist conversation. I'm saying is the idea that now you need both incomes to afford a house is a lot different than when we grew up. And uh, now the houses are nicer maybe and all the other kind of stuff. But the fact is you need two people working instead of one. And Nancy introduced the the thing, what was it, six months ago, John? How many people essentially where there's two and a half jobs in a family? Yeah. And, and uh, 
Russell was saying the same thing. I mean, Russell is a professor, and his his wife is a uh, what she not she what she a um, physician's assistant somewhere has a full time job. And he said for him to play for the college and the stuff for the kids, if he didn't have his consulting stuff, he couldn't make it. So we're talking about a family there with three jobs, and and the guy's a PhD for God's sake, right? I mean, I mean it's it. I think the struggle is on. I mean, what do you think, God? I mean, it's it's not like, you know, uh, if you're married, the guy goes to work, comes back at five o'clock, wife picks him up on the train, has dinner ready, and and they got the you know the the bass boat and the and the the uh, little house in Michigan or Michigan or Wisconsin to go fishing every weekend and the whole well, on one on one uh, income. I don't see that happen. Do you guys? No, no it's, I think it's really really difficult. I was talking to uh, several friends of mine, and a couple of them were doctors, and we were all just talking about the same thing and everybody agrees that life is much harder now life is it takes so much more i remember growing up like if somebody made a hundred grand that was a rich person and now you know it, it it's not i mean if you get two people who are you know working jobs one's making 60 one's making 40 by the time you pay taxes i mean it is it's i think life is very difficult very hard if you don't if you're not able to get a foothold somehow you know you're are basically just going to struggle most of your life you know if you're not in the right industry and uh to john's point these i see so many of these vacant strip stores and we're we're in another type of industrial revolution with this ai and we're not the world is simply not going to need as many people and the things they want are going to change so i i believe that retail is going to retail is going to have to change their their whole focus i mean it's just the things that are, are they we've wanted before are just not are wanted either in a different way packaged in a different way so it's it's not like the kids now used to all just want to go to the mall now they just get online together so the whole which is sad for them because you just miss. Well, them. they never, they never want to get together for anything. They don't want to get together for a basketball game, football game, baseball game, or shop. Well, people don't do anything, yeah. and that's part of the social. That was social. That was a problem with social isolation long before COVID, which they're blaming on the whole part of people not and and the adults are becoming just as bad. The adults that you know are on the phone or on Instagram and and. and you know, a little is good, but when it consumes their lives, they came home from work, working in a cubicle, and they stay home and they're on their computer. People don't go out as much. They don't uh, purchase the same things. It's the it's very very different. It's gonna be. Extra- I don't th- I don't think, John, that that we're going back to the type of world that you and I and Tom all knew. I, of course, every world evolves and change, but I think we're in the middle of. Uh, Another type of industrial revolution. Where I have a called. real stupid question for you two experts. When, when, when you drive by, you know, a little strip all by you where I got some coffee at the 7 Eleven the other day, I'm going to say out of nine places, there's three of them empty. Who, who's the typical owner of a strip mall? I mean, I, I, mean, I have no idea. I mean, who, who, who actually. I think if they're small, John will probably know that better than I. Uh, but I have a question to maybe John will know too. And I've always wondered this. Uh, when strip malls raise their prices, that a bunch of people move out, and then they're empty forever. And Tom, remember that Mexican restaurant that used to be on uh, Armitage? We, uh, yep. we used to go to with John and Bridge all the time, and they were closing, and because the rents were too high, I think that place sat empty for what about 
four or five years. Well, they used to have the consignment stores that drop in at Christmas, so they'd run it for like a month and then back off. Yeah, so is it, so to the point is, do you leave it sit empty for five years, or could you just have worked with the current tenant so that that one's not empty and then the other two move out, and all of a sudden you've got a building where you're still paying taxes, not generating any income. What, I, I, what about I don't the, uh, get that. What about the breakfast place on the corner, right, right on uh, uh, Racine and Clybourne? You know that little strip mall, Jan? It was, yeah. a, was, yeah. was a Mitchell's, a breakfast place. Spectacular food. Lying to get in every morning. Never could really get a dinner thing because they just had their great milkshakes. But breakfast and lunch, the guy raised their rent to like 15 grand a month. And like Nick at the Tripoli said, that's a hell of a lot of omelets. So they told him pound sand. They left. What do you figure? Uh, five, six years? Then some... And some furniture joint moved in. How do you make fifteen grand a month for at least selling furniture? Right? I don't. The, the thing sat there literally five years, six years. But I mean, I guess it, it was. I, I think they probably. The, it's hard to say who the typical owner of those kind of you know, developments were. I would say most of them are pretty small partnerships. Um, you know, investment firms that probably have own a couple of them, not just one. And they can all kind of balance, you know, the, the plus side in one part of the you know world with the negative part of the world where they own something else. But it's not like a black rack. It started out probably as a small group that maybe had ten of them or five of them or something. Yeah, and and you know, but you know, there's only so much depreciation you can claim when you've got you know rental property that's declining, or because in value because the building is getting older and you can't find tenants for it. Um, and these will end up as you know foreclosures, and and that's what's happening too. And you know taxes running up on on them too. This is the, the problem. You know the the idea of a strip mall was you know you combine parking in a dense neighborhood with you know storefront businesses that would be harder to operate when there was limited parking, and it, you could get a you know spillover effect if you had a oh a Domino's pizza. Or, or you know a little drugstore or something, and one of them had brought other people in. So the concept seemed to make sense, but you know, it, it just accentuates the problem we're seeing now, where there isn't enough retail traffic or street traffic. Nobody wants to go out and stroll around, you know, day or night to shop anymore. So that's a, that's been killed off, and now you've got you know, properties that were designed for one type of business, just like the. Loop office towers were designed for one type of you know culture, and you know talking about going back to another industrial revolution, Audrey. I think that's that's about the best comparison I c- can make here. And the problem is, what, what, you know, the 18th century industrial revolution, people figured very strongly in it. You needed children and you know women and people who would work for starvation wages to operate, you know, textile looms and everything else. But people were, were a big part of that. The whole success story, of course, it you know took advantage of people who would work for anything just to have a job. But the problem now is people don't even figure in the equation. So I, I think it's there's no way that the industrial revolution will work to the benefit of any workers the way we're going. It's going to be. No, I agree. I com- completely kind of agree. Yeah. Well, there's still an awful lot of stuff that people use every single day that people have to make. <laughs> I mean, it, it, we. But we're not making it here. That's the well, problem. Well, I, I, but I mean, if you look at, uh, and again, I'm a, a little bit of a horse here, but if, if you look at stuff around this country, say, you know, what are, what can the migrants do? What can people be trained to do? What about they're not going to be AI? I'm going to say that 
with all the all the hemming and hawing and jaw jagging we have about uh, you know energy and all kinds of stuff, I'm going to say that we are many many million man hours away from having the normal home or building in this country being energy efficient. If we want to save energy, the simplest way to do it is take all these all these homes in these in the central cities and so forth and wherever you are, and and fix them up. You're not going to get a computer to do that. Plus, if we're going to pr- take back some of the manufacturing stuff in China and say maybe we do it just for defense reasons or whatever, my nephew's place, I was talking to him yesterday, they're still trying to hire people because they do a lot of metal stuff for people that have, like Tootsie Roll and places like that, that have these big manufacturing operations. They farm out a lot of their maintenance, and if, if something breaks, a conveyor breaks, they need somebody to fix the conveyor. They, they're not set up to do that. I mean... They'd rather have just people that can supply them and take care of them, like me get my car fixed. I mean, we have, you're, you're right, there's, there's an issue with the AI and so forth, but I don't think we're anywhere near close to being, like, full on, like, regular stuff. I mean, I, there's, there's all kinds of workers in my neighborhood now, there's two big places being remodeled. And I don't see anybody there who's from here. There's not, like, uh, any... Anybody from any from either the black neighborhoods? I mean, they're all Hispanic. They, they don't mind working. They, they for some reason, uh, but I don't see any white people there. I don't see me. I mean, it, it's not like there isn't stuff to do here. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff to do. I mean, if we well, said a lot of a lot of people don't a don't don't want to work or realize when they get out, <laughs> people are whining about how hard it is to go to work every day and make a living. They, I'm like, welcome to welcome to life. You know, yeah. Uh, you know, you can't uh, sit on a couch all day, and then all of a sudden you, you I, I had a couple, there was a couple interviews with kids online who are saying it's just too hard to go to work for eight hours. Oh, without a doubt. They just don't have time to do anything else. I'm I can't like, take phone calls. I can't do. parents teach you? Gee. No, no emails, no phone calls. How do I, how do I, how do I go well yeah, for four hours? <laughs> yeah, I was interested on Saturday night to see when I was watching the IHSA football championships. Um, which you know, high school, you know, parents, you know. By the way, who won? Schools, who won? Mark Carmelton. Really, they, they, really. They beat Downers Grove North in a, in a blowout for the seven eight wow. championship. Well, Downers Grove was were they number one? They were ranked number one, weren't they? Yes. No, no. Who was number one? Who was ranked number one? It was somebody in the eight A? Was one because Carmel and Lane Tech were uh, not Lane Tech. Uh, Loyola were were two and three, right? Who was number one? Loyola beat Carmel as their only loss. Um, but they at Loyola would beat you know in the eight day they they won their championship. Okay. Like, um, they they played. My mind just went blank on it. Anyway, the thing that what struck me was the advertising on Channel Twenty Six for these games. There was sequentially they're up they're down in Normal Illinois where they were coming from, but um, I saw ads for the electricians union and the carpenters union, and you know the first thing you see on the TV screen is why go to college. Um, I thought, well, this is interesting. It was all about what you get, at, you know, retirement, oh, yeah. health insurance, a skill, you know, but it was there and less good stress. <laughs> yeah, less stress. Well, plus you 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 can um, go to college at night or something and still learn. Right, and you're yeah. and you well, actually, and that's you know, still, learning the trade has been vastly undervalued for the last twenty five oh, years. Yeah. I think it's been. It's been it, it, it's been stigmatized, I think. Really. Yeah, it's just it's terrible. Blue collar workers but, but got a bad rap. 
That's right. Right. But I thought these people wouldn't be advertising if they didn't need people badly, because there is work to be done. It's like what you were saying, Tom, that you know, there's, there's so much that needs people, <laughs> buzz saws and hammers and everything else to get it done. But I, I just think that even that is, is harder now, because people don't come out of, out of high schools, in many cases, with computational skills that are going to help them hold a carpenter's job or measure something or measure it accurately or not waste Basic math. Well, if I had yeah. the, uh, we got a dash, but here's a goofy story about and, and my birthday. If I had bazillions of dollars, the first thing I would do is grab one of these old schools because they've got shower facilities, you probably have to fix them up in kitchen facilities. I grab myself 100, 200 migrants and uh, fa- families. And the first thing I would do is buy up a few of these dilapidated houses that are probably nobody's even living within the block or two around the place, and I would essentially teach people to be craftsmen and to, and to essentially create your own neighborhood. I'll bet we could do it. And okay, you're going to work on this house, you get to live here for a while, and oh, by the way, you get an option to buy after your rent. We could, we could make a neighborhood with the people there building it. Mm. Yep. I think we need a habitat for humanity for the construction workers as much as for people living in the houses. Well, that's what I'm saying. The, the, okay, I mean, I, and I, I bet... I'll bet people be all again ten years from now. You'd say, "Where did this nice neighborhood could come from?" And it would be us. Because I mean, we have no vision, no idea. I mean, last night I was hearing uh, somebody was giving some long story about how all the barriers to having people work. Just get them a job and pay them. Ask for permission later, for God's sake. Make a, <laughs> you know, make a credit union. Tell everybody to put twenty percent of what they make in an account here. When they when they finally get their social security number, you can send them check to government. Why would anybody bitch about that? Just do because it because it's the government. Yeah, because well, there's no vision. You, you still think they want to help you, Tom? That's what your problem is. Well, here. <laughs> <laughs> on, on that note, thank you guys. Uh, Happy I, birthday, Tom! Happy thank birthday, you. S&P futures down six seventy-five. Nasdaq futures down twenty-two. I'm going to wear my Lansing lug nut hat out with a bunch of young people and see if anybody thinks I'm cool. They're going to love it. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> it's back tomorrow. Stocks and jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Where's the Tylenol?